no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. It's episode 42 of the 40 Yard Switch podcast. And back in person, live in the flesh for the first time in over two months, I am your host, Jasper Woody Woodson. And alongside me, as always, is... We'll be. We're back. <laughs> We're back in person. Very exciting. Oh, God, it feels good. It feels good to be sitting one meter across from you. Back, oh. in, back in this little annex. In, yeah, in this tiny study. Yeah, the virtual world was, was, was tough and was tricky for two months, but I thought we navigated it quite well. Yeah, there was yeah, the episode where we didn't I didn't have your or we didn't have cameras on and it was very hard to gauge reactions, but we we pushed through. Yeah, and the conversations would flow a lot more now that we can actually see when everyone who, who where everyone's going with their conversation with their sort of, you know, body language cues and yeah. and uh, there's no delay on the audio. Yeah. Yeah, there was a few tricky moments there too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but yes, a lot to get through because obviously we didn't post last week as I was halfway around the world on a plane when we would have usually recorded. And you had quite a busy week too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. It was a busy week. <laughs> <laughs> Big working man is, is Wilby. Um, anyway, so obviously the, the big elephant in the football world room uh, is Chelsea Football Club and the situation going on there at the moment. Uh, so I've got a list of all the different sanctions that they're currently suffering at the moment. So I'm going to reel them off before we get into um, breaking it down. So uh, the Premier League slash the government has banned Chelsea from, well, essentially they're sanctioning Roman Abramovich and also sanctioning Chelsea as by association. Uh, They've banned Chelsea from offering any new contracts to players. Um, Interestingly, Rudiger, Christensen and Azpilicueta all have contracts that expire this June the 30th. Uh, they're banned from conducting any official transfer business. They're banned from selling new tickets to any game for any of their teams, including juniors and women's. Uh, season ticket and existing ticket holders are only um, will be the only fans that are allowed into games. Banned from selling any merchandise to fans. It was quite interesting on the day uh, that that was announced that the merchandise shop just like shut. Well, it had a bunch of people in it. <laughs> That's wild. Was like, nah, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like the middle of the day and they were just like they saw one and then the thing came in and was like no stop closed that's crazy yeah um, no stadium work or redevelopment is allowed uh, and not allowed to spend more than £500,000 on security stewarding and catering costs per home match day and can't spend more than £20,000 for away games also not related to the government I think not I think the government no, not related to the government but the Barclays Bank have also uh, taken their credit cards or frozen their those accounts uh, putting spending like things on travel via plane in doubt. Uh, Three Mobile, the telecommunications company, has suspended its sponsorship with the club. And did they ask for the thing to be removed from the shirt? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty um, sure they said you, you can't play with it anymore. But yeah, but they're still. They still were they still, wearing it this morning? Yeah, I think pretty sure they were. Because I heard like a rumor that they had to go and buy some just blue shirts from <laughs> from JD Sports. Or something. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Uh, and also, Abramovich is facing a further yet full asset freeze and travel ban. So who knows what that more means on top of everything else? Um, yeah, pretty hectic. Kind of 
something we haven't seen before yeah there's there's a lot there and it's just yeah it's it'll be very interesting to see how long how long it drags on for and I mean, because the issue causing it all, I don't really see how it gets resolved quickly no. as well. So, I don't know what they do. And, like, maybe it gets sold by Chelsea selling the club, which we'll touch on in just a second. Uh, and maybe those, all those restrictions go away if someone who's seen to be not connected to Vladimir Putin... Um, uh, he's looking to buy. Yeah, he's looking to buy. Um, uh, so, someone who's not connected to Vladimir Putin may, may be seen as a, you know a viable uh, owner of the club and will not have to have all their stuff frozen. Uh, but in the immediate future, some things that could really be dark if this thing is, like you said, is not sold quickly is not only could the contracts of Rudiger Christensen and Aspilicueta run out by June 30, um, if this goes on any longer than that, while they still have, probably they will have players who love playing for the club and will want to stay there, there are also players who will be like, well, they can sort of, you know, see the writing on the wall and see where Chelsea's going the longer this progresses and be like, well, I'm not going to go down with the sinking ship and move away. So they could be losing plenty of players, uh, more than just the three we just mentioned. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like Tuchel seems pretty resolute saying, you know, we'll, we'll get there on a bus or I'll drive a seven-seater to the game or stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if we, like a club like Manchester United who's looking for a new manager come along, with money and a technical director who has worked closely with Tuchel in the past, yeah, it it, it could be bad if it, you know, f- for the for the football side of 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 Chelsea. Um, or if, or if Manchester United come in and say, "Oh, N'Golo Conte looks nice. Oh, Jorginho looks nice." Rudiger apparently, yeah, apparently Newcastle interested in Rudiger. Oof. Like, yeah. Rudiger seems like a guy who the fact that he hasn't already extended his contract up till now seems like a guy who's waiting for a bigger money yeah so if Chelsea's situation worsens and they're not allowed to offer him any money he might be like well I'll go where the money is yeah I think I think it would be a good move for him I mean we'll get on to Newcastle later but yeah Yeah. I, I think it's a good option for him but yeah on the I mean it's on the just on the purely football side of things Abramovich has done a very good job for running this club for for a while now but it has all hinged on his ownership and his ruthlessness and his his money at the end of the day. And like, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm, we're not going to get into it, but you know, money that you yeah. know, is potentially shady in, in its origins and stuff like that. And it's very sort of like Chelsea's success under Abramovich has been very sort of live by the sword, die by the sword in the essence that it never really seemed like die by the sword, but stuff like this comes along and you realise it's live by the sword, die by the sword because... One day you have it all, and the next day, and the next day you might not. Yeah, and like I feel like, it, like while I can sympathise a little bit with Chelsea fans because they didn't they didn't do anything wrong. Um, like there's been I've seen like on Sky Sports interviews and stuff, fans being like, "Oh, it's not really like fair on the fans," and like you know didn't have to like punish us in this way. It's like yeah, it's it's potential. It's it's it is not fair to an extent, but also like when you are owned by someone like that there is always potential for ramifications to come about from shady money. And like you've had 20 years of success, the most successful English club in that period. Like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's bigger things at play. And I mean, he he shouldn't be able to sell the club and, and, and take the, take the funds that come from that. 
as well. And I, I don't I don't see how we'll sell the club and then, you know, have it just frozen by the government straight away. So I don't see yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a very it's a very tricky situation that um also like the massive stadium redevelopment which is gonna sort of like be really big for them because I think they're playing in the smaller stadium out of the big six at the moment because Stanford Bridge is 40, 40 I think it's like 42 43,000 compared to Anfield with its new right state right side uh, stand is now 50,000 Emirates 60 um, Old Trafford 75 and the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it's huge yeah um, and obviously City Etihad's around 60,000 as well so that was needed as well and also um, the interesting thing about not allowed to spend more than £500,000 on security stewarding and catering costs per home match day that seems like a lot of money but yeah I was going to ask whether <laughs> that I think that could easily run out very quickly and also only 20000 for away games like yeah 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 that's the thing it, it does seem like a lot of money but the, the amount of money they take in each game day like yeah, and I, like I as think that they dwindles, as that. only season ticket holders can go, and like and like and that means they can't like a, a lot of their corporate row, which would be the highest selling tickets on the on the middle tier or whatever. I think Chelsea has a middle tier, but like all the corporate seats, most uh, big teams have, none of them will be season ticket holders, or very few of them will be season ticket holders. Yeah, and those are the really expensive tickets. And also, uh, so on one hand, you won't make the money from those, but on the other hand, most of the catering would go towards the fine dining of that because selling slinging hot dogs and pies and beer to the you know regular fans I don't think cost quite as much but those big sort of you know sit down dinners before the game and all that sort of stuff will be yeah yeah um, one thing I was thinking about is um, uh, oh yeah um, with the three mobile suspension do you see any other brands like Nike, like any of the other sponsors they have dropping off. Yeah, I I, I don't think so, hey, because I, I I suppose not not while Abramovich still still owns the club. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it, any any big company would would run that risk. Do Do you think? I, I no, I don't think anyone will jump back in. But do you see like oh, Nike other dropping? dropping them? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um. To be honest, I'm not. I'm not sure, but I, I also don't see why not. Like the the longer this goes on, um, I can't see how you could still be giving giving the giving the club money for, mm. for for the endorsement. So, what do you think? I don't, I think Nike's just gonna say nothing, just continue being the kit provider, but like they're just not gonna make a statement about it. Yeah, yeah I think three. It was very easy. Like they've only been sponsor of Chelsea on the shirt for like this is the second season, so like it was very easy for them to just be like, "Now nah, we're good." Yeah. Um, and I, I don't really know the world of sponsors, but yeah, I, I don't. I think it might just be a situation kind of like Roma had a couple of seasons ago, where they just pay with blank kits next season. Yeah. I think it will just be like that. It's weird though, because I suppose the the whole thing is based off you know mar- marketing. Like Nike want to be Chelsea sponsor because it you know yeah it's, it's good marketing. So I don't understand how Nike's marketing department could, yeah, when they make that calculation. Especially about, seeing as they've probably done some sort of PR post being like we stand in together or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of selling the club, uh, there have been some offers that have been coming in, most notably from a man called Nick Candy. 
a London-based luxury property developer and Chelsea supporter, who is putting together a consortium to buy the club. Uh, recently, has been reported that he is close to having the funds or has the funds. Um, uh, and to ha- and your but Candy wants interestingly to have a fan representative representative on the board and is willing to put money into the club as soon as possible to meet short term financing needs. There, there's a couple of other uh, sorters like the uh, the LA Dodgers owner and the Chicago Cubs owner and a few others, but and the New York Jets owner. Um, but I like this guy because. I saw an interview of him as he was like walking into some building and they were like I saw that yeah, one. Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. like and do you think that like fan ownership is the way forward and he goes absolutely and yeah. I think fan ownership is the way that the Premier League as a whole should be moving yeah I know it's very difficult with the amount of foreign owners that the Premier League has at the moment but yeah I like I like this guy yeah at, at least fan representation at, at all levels board level and op- operational level as well I saw there was also a, a Saudi, some some Saudi Chelsea supporter who, who yeah. was interested as well. Um, but yeah, I mean the 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 the, the candy guy yeah. <laughs> seems like a, seems like a good option, um, especially in terms of ideas about how to run the club. But again, they need someone with big pockets. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not sure how. I mean, I'm sure he's rich, but yeah, how rich, I'm not sure how, how it compares to yeah, Abramovich. Yeah. And then the other thing is, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously Newcastle had just been been bought by Saudi owners, but, and I suppose this isn't the Premier League or people who are making the decisions about who they sell the club to at Chelsea, but I suppose the government has to have a think about, the UK government has to have a think about who they let own clubs given this situation unfolding. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it was a point that Yannick made about, you know, Saudi war in, in Yemen like yeah and with it's a big double yeah. standards and also like place. yeah we've, we've, I think we talked about it a little bit in the past with um, the Qatari oil states owning PSG uh, UAE owning City Saudi Arabia now owning Newcastle and shady business with all of those uh, consorti- uh, with all of those uh, states or com- sort of I don't know what, what you call them but like yeah, yeah they're not it's not a whole country but it, you know what I mean yeah uh, but yeah so it's a good point. Like, really, the Chelsea needs to be very careful who they pick, and maybe, and like, you say, it's potentially you know, unsure. Chelsea's unsure about how big or how deep Nick Candy's pockets are, but maybe Chelsea just have to sort of cop that, just for the sake of having a an owner who's English, doesn't have any ties to any other shady stuff or that, that we know of, uh, is a Chelsea fan, is willing to have fan ownership. Chelsea might just have to not be ridiculously wealthy like they yeah. have in 20 years and, and like football cyclical like I don't think they're gonna if they have this owner they're gonna drop off the face of the earth they might not be title contenders for a couple of years yeah like like Arsenal's sort of trajectory yeah. like yeah we're, we're, as opposed to just being in the top three every single year yeah yeah and like Chelsea have been there before like and then they got like Chelsea were basically there in the 90s yeah like they weren't a terrible team but they weren't the team they were and then Abramovich comes along and you know, United looking like they might need to need to drop off into the where Arsenal and Liverpool have been in the past ten years. Maybe it's time for Chelsea too. City were there for years until they got bought out, and now it's time for maybe Newcastle to step up to the plate. You know, it's like it is it like the change. It, it's potentially good for, and this is now looking into sort of long term. While it's potentially not so good for long long term for Chelsea's success, I think it's good in terms of the long term competitiveness of the Premier League. Yeah, to have these teams 
rise and fall. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's exciting coming in. There's like people coming coming in with um, like taking over ownership with lots of money. Like it's exciting. Oh, they could spend all this money. But I mean, in the context of all the European Super League stuff that happened last year, <clears throat> it's probably better to have that someone with a bit less money, but a bit more interest in the football club and connection to the fan yeah. base as well because yeah. like the, the fan base in England at least was unanimous they were like the, like they didn't want anything to do with the Super League yeah and it's a, really a, a sort of mark on this foreign ownership that like while they apologised and stuff like like the fact they that they did it in, it, the, yeah. in the first place is just a testament they don't get it right? whereas this I mean I don't know about if this Nick Candy guy would do the same thing but I like to think if, he, if, he, if he's if he's Wanting to have fan representation on the board, um, I ho- I'd like to think that he would not do not not apply for that again if Chelsea were asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, as this unfolds, I'm sure we'll come back to it uh, throughout the coming weeks. And obviously, Chelsea are still they're not fighting for the um, Premier League, uh, but they are still in the Champions League and. I hazard to say they're still in the FA Cup. I think they are. Um, yeah, I think they beat they beat someone in a couple of divisions below last time. So they're still in the FA Cup and they're still in the Champions League. So we'll see how they go. Yeah. Know? Bus, train or plane. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good structures around Chelsea as well. Exactly. And the, like their academy is starting to look like yeah. elite. And, and Kai Havertz is finally hitting his stride. He's looking like the player that they spent 80 million on. Um, but yeah. We'll see how it goes. So the next uh, piece of news, which is really last week's news, but of course we didn't cover anything last week. We were going to talk about it this week, uh, it is, and we sort of we combined it with some sort of current news from this week, which is the Manchester Derby, and I've put it Manchester Derby slash United drop out of Champions League because it's really just despite the fact that they had a Ronaldo hat trick and a win against Spurs in between that, it's the two results either side of that that really sort of have United season. And the situ- and the current situation that they're in in a sort of microcosm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's <laughs> it really is the the, the same story. Um, and I mean, they just yeah, they, they they were just second best, and then like like we talk about them not managing games well. Like this this is the perfect example that they were up against it, and it it seemed like um, this is the Ma- Manchester derby, by the way. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and they they just didn't manage the game well at all, and they they don't have that person who can who who can shore things up, and then the the the, the UCL exit. I mean, Atletico is 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 a tough game. Like they're they're a good side, and I I don't think United played that badly to be honest. But I think in the context of everything else that's happened this season, um, it looks worse. But still. You you can lose one nil to Atletico at home yeah, in, th- in a in a Champions League yeah. quarter final. I think it's it's like the United the, the Atletico performance, especially in the second leg, uh, the United performance against Atletico was much better than the first leg because the first leg for the first seventy minutes was pretty diabolical. Uh, but I just think it's it's just the case of they don't they just don't do enough, and like that's sort of like a metaphor for United season in. In like the best case, you, some you know people on the more hyperbolic side will say that it's been atrocious. But for me, United season is just it's been a season of a bunch of talent not doing enough. Yeah, 
whether that be effort, whether that be finishing, whether that be, you know, what have you. It's just another case of a team that looked on paper like it would be the business just not delivering and not doing enough to get over the line in games. Or yeah. not doing enough over two legs to warrant going through to the next round. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, I don't know, like, clearly there's issues that run very deep here. Um, and it's all interesting that like, the two managers that they're, the United are rumoured to be wanting, Pochettino and Ten Hag, both also disappointingly went out in the round of 16 in rather disappointing fashion as well to teams that they were both favoured to beat. So... Yeah. I know, no, no, that's, you know, it's a couple of games. It's not you know, a sign for what's to come. But, like, you know, it's not not a great week all around for United targets, United as a team. Yeah, 100%. I think, yeah, j- just just on United as well, like, if you, like, you, you, you've got to be, like, killing yourself to stay nil all with Atletico in that situation. Because you know, especially just before halftime, you know that they're going to come out, sit behind the ball, and just, like you said, they just every time they got it they just hoofed it back out and started the, the defensive phase again um, and yeah we saw in the build up to their goal Alanga just not just not pushing back and I feel like that's most of their forward players they're just they're just not that interested in defending Yeah. and I mean we can talk like talk about Harry Maguire and Dallow and um, the other guys Tejas <laughs> yeah Tejas McFred yeah, yeah not not doing a good job but at the same time the the guys in front of them don't do a very don't don't pull a shift um d- defensively either um but yeah on the i mean d- to be honest i don't know that much about ten hag but the benfica result is, is is not ideal no but i don't know whether it's too bad for their prospects but no, no i know it's it's just sort of interesting that like you know like this is the guy that will save him and then yeah. he disappointingly goes out against a team that they should beat uh, on what you're saying about the United four players, I completely agree. Like it's like people are quick to jump in. Like Harry Maguire is not to standard. Dallo and Mampasaka are not to standard. Tejas and Shaw haven't been to standard, although Shaw's been injured. Um, but yeah, like Alanga, you can kind of maybe a bit of slack because he's young. He's barely played any games, but still, that's that, that's that's footballing one on one. Me and you are that, at the level we play at are taught to track back and yeah. track your man. He can see him the yeah. whole time. He's exactly. running back. Uh, Sancho, while he's been better offensively recently. Doesn't do a whole lot. Doesn't do a whole lot of defensive pressing work. Ronaldo, we said from the start when they signed him, wouldn't be good for the conducive press as a team. And Rashford, there's like I've I've shown you, I've talked about those things that I've seen where like he's he's got the highest average position on the pitch on that right side. He rarely tracks back. But there's even videos of Pogba telling him to track back. I don't know what's going on with Rashford. Uh, this is the worst I've seen him in his his, his entire career. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So. My question is, and uh, we've talked a little bit about this off air. It, uh, we both agree that they need to blow it up, but will they? I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that they that they have have to do it that way. I think yeah. I think that they, they could do it that way, but I'm also not sure things are like that far wrong. You know, I I still think it can be. I don't know. I, I I suppose I'm getting confused about defining blowing it up. They they they, they need a bit of an exodus and and, and okay, a restart. Well, okay. I, I, in the sort of Arsenal mold, you shift over the course of two sort of a season and a half, two seasons, two two to three offs, two to three transfer windows. You shift five to eight players from your squad. 
you keep most of the young players, so that'd be your Alangas, your Rashmans, your Sancho's, your and then some of your middle players, your Luke Shaw's, your um, you know, uh, Scott McTominay's. Yeah. But yeah, you move on from players like uh, Wambasaka, even though he's young. You move you move on from players like Wambasaka. You move on from Maguire. You move on from Ronaldo. You move on from uh, potentially. One of Pogba and Fernandez, probably Pogba. Pogba, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and you move on from a few more. Not all in one window, but over the course of a few windows. Uh, and then you... The, so you, you move on from about 50% of the starting 11 squad, which it seems like a lot, but uh, you keep players that have shown that they want to be there or players that, while are shown, while, like Rashford, who, while potentially don't look like it at the moment, are like symbols of the club and like love Manchester, love the club through and through. Then you invest in new players, but none of them over the age of 24. Yeah. Like, or if you do get the old one, like Arsenal got Thomas Party there, it has to be like a, you know, a position of dire need, like defensive midfield. I know you yeah. can say you can get Declan Russell, Calvin Phillips who are young, but if, for example, N'Golo Conte becomes available, he and is. Declan Rice and Phillips aren't available, you go for him. Even if he's a bit older than the age bracket you want, you pick the right pieces to build from the ground up essentially and like you essentially be like we're not going to win titles for the next three or four seasons we're going to probably finish between fifth and seventh or eighth for for two seasons but then in five years from now we'll be back in the top four we'll be back in the Champions League and the season or two after that we'll be back in the titles that's what what I think that's why I turn blow it up yeah I don't, I, I don't see them doing it. Hey, I just, I just feel like one, they don't have the ownership. But I suppose you, you could say that about Arsenal as well. But then two, below that, I don't see them finding that candidate or the ownership sort of selecting that candidate that wants to come back and 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 do that. You mean the manager? Yeah, the manager. Sorry, yeah. You just, so you don't think they'll get Ten Hag, or you don't think Ten Hag will be committed to doing that? I don't know. I feel. I feel like potentially he won't be committed to doing it. Or I. Th- I think the other factor that comes into it is is the fans, and I don't think they will have the appetite for it either. I mean, we've seen what Arteta has done at Arsenal is really, really impressive, especially in the context of modern day football, where they shit managers like it's the, you know the drop of a hat. I just can't see it being possible possible at United just the media storm that's around them every week when they lose and also you see fans very quickly turning incredibly sour throwing stuff at Diego Simeone as he tries to run off down the tunnel like that could very quickly turn to their own fan base yeah Uh, and yeah I I, while I think that they need to blow it up I think it's the best thing for the club long term I 100% agree with you I don't think they'll do it just because I think comes down to the fans the fans won't take it I think the fans will become way too because it's like Chelsea I think a, a, a recent I can have enough memory that, to know that in 2000 2001 they were where the Arsenal and Liverpool's have been during the 2000s yeah whereas United haven't been bad since 1990 like that's 30 years yeah I think they came six under Mourinho in his last season yeah. and now it's like that's like the worst yeah. and also it's interesting you mentioned Mourinho because the, the, the Mourinho quote that he said about how like winning the Europa League, making it to the FA Cup final, winning the Community Shield, and finish se- finishing second with United is the is is his best managerial achievement. 
I think he knew that you, like when he left that United were going to be stuffed because like the, what he did with those players with the sort of that dressing room as well yeah, was yeah. ridiculously impressive. And yes, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer finished second in the Premier League, but in terms of trophies and also finishing in the Premier League, I think he knew that United were not going to be good like that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Do, do you think Ten Hag could do it if, if he had the time? Ah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know enough him. about him, but from what I've seen about how he's how he seems to, and how he and Ajax seem to generate talent like Southampton, uh, just out of nowhere, I think yeah. I think if I think he ha- clearly has not him. If he brings his scouting team with him, him and his scouting team have an eye for talent. I think he can probably bring in a couple players from Ajax even if they get a player like Anthony, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I think I think he's the guy long term. Uh, if they were going to blow it up and be like, "Here's like, what's your five year plan?" You know, because yeah. I think uh, I think even though they gave Arteta a a three year contract, I think he gave them a, a like a end to the end of my contract plan three years, five years, ten years. Like I think he would have given them like a, a vision. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So I think Ten Hag could do it. I don't think Pochettino could do it. Um, yeah. I think also, I I think the other thing that probably worth mentioning is that I think. Where Arsenal were when Arteta came over, they f- they were way further back from where they were United are. Mm. So I think ownership as well probably favour the tinkering. Yeah, continue tinkering. Yeah, <laughs> and change managers managers every second season. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's and it'll be interesting. Who knows? For all we know, uh, while Rangnick's not really a good. Well, not it's hard to say if he's a good coach or not, but it's not really working out for him as a coach. Yeah, um, it he could be a phenomenal yeah. consultant or sporting director or whatever he whatever his role is going to be, uh, and he could be like this player, this player, this player, this player, get rid of him. This player, this player, this player, get them. This is the coach I want, and it could work in two years. Yeah. They could be again not so good next year, but then after that, I just imagine you know they go they go get Calvin Phillips, they go get. You know, uh, Rudiger, they go get, you know, a couple other pieces. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, in two years, they're back. I think if they get Calvin Phillips and Rudiger, that, I mean, that would be, I think that would be enough to turn it around. I think they still need, I think they still need. <laughs> but they, there's a few more of those, you know, like Sackers, who's, who's going to press from the front. Yeah. They, they, I think they need to cull a few more players than just a centre back and a midfielder. And they, they do need to sign. And that would make a huge difference. Those yeah. two players. They, those two players would make a huge difference, but I, there are problems that run deeper than, like you said, the pressing from the front and the just like the lack of anyone of note at fullback at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, I'm, not, I'm not kidding myself here. They, if they sign Rudiger and Calvin Phillips in one window, that's huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, we talk about United a lot, but. It's, they're interesting. Like, they're interesting, <laughs> and like every and and like it's 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 fun to hypothesize about what where this team will, will go. Um, I'm gonna finally on air say it, uh, and this could jinx it. And you know, I've been hurt before, but I think Arsenal's gonna finish fourth. Mm. Yeah, I think I think they they've. Um... I know I said two episodes ago that United was gonna do it, but I've changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> they've they've definitely got uh, a bit of respect back as yeah. a club in the last. Literally, like, month. Yeah. And Jamie Carragher said it best after the after we lost this morning against uh, Liverpool, despite the fact that we lost. You played quite well up until we, 
copying a goal, right? Yeah, we did. We, we, it was toe for toe to toe for most of the first half, uh, and it was just like before I get into what Jamie Carragher said, a quick little note about the game. Um, it was just a micro sort of. I've used the word microcosm a little bit too many times. It was a, a, a just a clear vision of where the two teams are at the moment. There's an up and coming team who play really good football, but are still a bit young, naive, and just made one or two mistakes versus a team that's been together for five years and against a team that makes one or two mistakes will punish you. And yeah. it was 2-0. And then they could just sit on the 2-0 and we never really looked like scoring. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, Odegaard has a chance when Thiago plays that back pass, you know, a more experienced team maybe finishes that. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Jamie Carragher said that Arsenal as a cohesive team are better than Tottenham and United and... Um, West Ham but uh, Tottenham and United have individual players that can win them games Ronaldo, Harry Kane Son yeah. Fernandes um, but Arsenal as a team while we may not while like we arguably do have players like that in soccer and stuff it's more the cohesive unit yeah. and the way we play as a team that will put us in better stead to finish in the top four and I agree yeah no it's very true and I mean can't like you know, two years, two years time when you know you've got Smith Rowe, Osaka matured, Odegaard matured as well. You've got that critical mass of like just gun players, and then you'll be able to pull in those big name signings because they want to be part of part of Arteta's project. Yeah, it's exciting. It is. It is. It's a f- long way. <laughs> the the start of the season seems a long yeah, time. Yeah. Well. Ago. Yeah. I was. I was. I. I put. I think I had us to finish eighth this season. Well, what there was the it was like four nil against City and. 5 nil against Shaka City. got sent off. Yeah, 5 nil against City and we were 0-3 with a uh, negative... We are last on the table and a goal difference of negative 9 hmm. after three games. And how we've turned it around. Noise, mate. It's all noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but moving on from uh, Manchester United to the other half of Manchester and I guess uh, slightly south to Liverpool, uh, the title race. So obviously City faulted... Uh, West. Oh, West, sorry. Yeah, West. Uh, City faltered against Crystal Palace. And as we just mentioned, Liverpool beat Arsenal this morning to have them equal on games played with Liverpool one point behind City and five goals ahead on goal difference. Uh, what a title race it's shaping out to be. I wouldn't have picked this two months ago. No. I think we both said probably on the podcast that it's over. Yeah. Like, um, Yeah, crazy. Crystal Palace coming in clutch. That was an unbelievable... I watched that whole game. Unbelievable defensive performance. To, yeah, to, to be honest, I've only seen the results, so yeah. the clutch result, but yeah. Were they... Like, just... like, they rode their luck a little bit. I think City hit the post and Guaita made some good saves, but, like, just to a man, like, the press was unreal. The defensive organisation to deny City at the edge of the box just time and time again... Uh, yeah, it was it was just really really impressive, um, and they could have even nabbed it right at the end, like in the, like the last minute of injury time. Uh, Gallagher steals in behind and just has to find Zaha at the penalty spot with the cutback, and he just doesn't square it back enough. Yeah, but um, yeah, like really impressive. And uh, while Liverpool have been winning game after game after game, City have lost to Spurs and now drawn against Crystal Palace and opened the door wide. Yeah, and I mean, as as amazing as they are, like they. Are, Probably, yeah, they're the best team in England. Yeah. But like, as amazing as they are, when you that momentum just starts to change, they're they're a bunch that you know, eleven guys on the field at the end of the day. You can feel that, and it's it's a lot easier when they were like you know ten points out in front, beating teams five 0 every week. It, it it can be hard, and Liverpool 
yeah, an, an amazing sort of team structure there. That yeah, it's it's I, I can't call it, but yeah, but yeah. So but um, basically, it all comes down for me. I think the way that, like, with the onus that both teams have on winning every game at this point to make sure they win the title, I don't think they'll drop points outside of City hosting Liverpool on the 9th or 10th of April. Uh, so I think I think is potentially title deciding. Because yeah. I seriously don't see them losing against anyone else. You, like, they, they, I think they have to play Chelsea, United, whatever, both those teams. I think, um, yeah, but like I don't, even though Liverpool has a slightly harder schedule, I just don't see them. I feel like I can see another falter against against a smaller team coming for 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 one of them. I feel like it'll be, yeah. Mm. But I do think that whoever wins that game at the Etihad wins the title. Would you say or? Yeah, I think again me- mentally that's just such a huge, huge game. I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's gonna be like the their, the first time they played earlier in the season was game of the season, and then obviously the city, uh, the city Spurs game probably was game of the season after that, but. This could be the new game of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially- I think I think I think that game's surely got to decide it. But I don't know. We've called it in the past. Yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> we have called it in the past. But yeah, um, just both playing incredible football at the moment. Liverpool slightly more so. Interestingly enough, uh, Andy Robertson said in the post-game interview after the Arsenal game this morning, he said uh, he'd still rather be in City's position because at the end of the day, points on the board is all that matters. What do you make of that? I don't know. I've never... <laughs> I think we've never been in a title race. <laughs> I think I think it's a very footballer's thing to say in a post-match interview. I think it's I think it's harder mentally being City at, at this point in time, being chased down. Well, that I thought I think maybe that's how I'd feel. If you, I was think you, got, what, what, you think you got less? You think? To, there's less to lose if you Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. They can just have a good crack. You know, that everyone else called it like a, a long time ago, but. Do you think... No, I, I would agree. It's interesting. Bernardo Silva said the same thing after they lost to Palace. He was... Oh, drew to Palace, sorry. And he said, yeah, we're still we're still ahead. I'd still rather be in our position. Where, like, they've still got to come to our, our home stadium. So, mm. I don't know. I don't know if he's trying to save face there or, and Robertson's just being diplomatic, but I think Liverpool's got less to lose. Yeah. Because if, if Liverpool don't make it, then it's like, well, City were ahead the whole season anyway. It's like, what's the... You know? Yeah. Interestingly, it's I think what could potentially also come into it if you really had to split hairs, I think if you had to if City had to decide between the two, City would rather win the Champions League final than the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. You you reckon it could come down to that sort of squad think, selection at I that think point in time. Towards the back end of the season, if it's still a point or goal difference in it, and City have got a crucial Champions League tie and they want and they and they could end up resting players in a for um a league game they could they could do that yeah actually that's that's a good call it's 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 quite i think it's quite obvious to 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 most people that pep is once the champions league with with city so it's likely that he's he'd prioritize that and obviously Klopp wants the so that's like the other side of the yeah coin he's gonna get in the league again even though we said it's probably impossible i think there's a part of Klopp that would, would like, you know, he'd be like, if I win the quadruple, I am God. The fucking guy, yeah. <laughs> I am the fucking I dog. I will never die. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I think that, I think most 
most people involved with the football club would be would have that in the back that's of their historic. mind. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, especially if they win the FA Cup, like because that's the thing that happens before the Champions League and the Premier League finishes. So that's another mentality thing as yeah. well. Like if they win the FA Cup, then they'll just start. Then the pressure maybe does build because you're like, "Fuck, we could do it." I don't think so either because it's so unattainable. Yeah, true. Like again, that's a good point. Anyway, anyway, yeah, we're talking <laughs> about hypotheticals about about team about things that both our teams could never or not, or not never, but not dream for for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So our next point, I don't really have a good segue for this, but our next point, uh, we did mention it earlier in the podcast, is the resurgence of Newcastle United. So we weren't talking too long ago about when they signed, when they got taken over, about imagine they still got relegated, you know, what a what a disaster that would be, almost kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but one thing we did say when they signed Eddie Howe is, that's a good decision. And we were right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to put it blatantly, bluntly, we were right. <laughs> Again, like it's 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 similar to you know sort of he obviously came like Arteta would have he obviously came to Newcastle with with a long long term plan and he obviously started at a better position than Arteta in the sense that there was less pressure but yeah he's just like he's obviously signed good players but the players that were there even before he came are playing better yeah absolutely since he came and and during Trippi has been injured for heart for two or three of the games that they've had he hasn't had said maximum for almost all of them yeah like he's and he's like you said he's 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 he started playing Joel Linton at center midfield he's started uh like he's gotten more and more out of um Ryan Fraser uh he's, yeah Ryan Fraser's been also very active on their social media. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's been class. So. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's uh, he's got he's gotten a lot out of Matt Target as well. I mean, we knew Matt Target would be. It. He, he, you know what you get with Matt Target. It's like a six or seven out of ten every game type of thing. Yeah. But uh, just everyone he's brought in has been solid. And even now, Bruno Gumarais, unbelievable goal for his debut, and now is starting to start every game for them. And they've won or drawn every game up until the Chelsea game. And if VAR doesn't shit the bed, they could have got something out of that game too. Yeah. Also Dan Byrne, but the, oh, yeah, yeah. Dan Byrne, sorry. But yeah, and yeah, the the Chelsea game just showed how far they've how far they've come. And also <laughs> the Newcastle fan singing Mike Ashley is coming <laughs> yeah, for you. That was that brilliant. Was, that was so so I good. Love that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um we like we, we said it, we like like and we've been saying even before Newcastle was discussed, like we would say off air back when um Eddie Howe stopped managing Bournemouth. We were like, give that guy some money and give that guy some time at a bigger club and watch what he can do. Yeah. And I'm just so happy that he's finally getting the chance to do that. And like, what could, like, it's just like, it's like, I can't help but like be fascinated about the potential for them next season. Yeah. Like they could be onto some serious, if they may have another astute window, they could be flying up the table. We're talking top half, we're talking pushing for the Europa League places I'm not, I'm not even kidding like they could yeah. do that in with one more window yeah yeah I think they've they, they've got this draw that I think maybe even Chelsea and Man City didn't have in their early days of the takeover that you know they they have historically been a big club that has gone through a purple patch and I think that, that they've also got that draw that added draw of, of, of players coming in or four players coming in I mean that yeah it's it's going to be very interesting. And I reckon they definitely could fly up the table. And they've got the draw of uh, all the kids who grew up watching the movie. Gold. Yeah, no, well, literally, it's it's it is that sort of thing that you know, 
maybe not that exactly but yeah no, it's part of it Alan like Shearer yeah. yeah all of that and even like even when they weren't like at their peak you know remember the days of Denver Bar and Papa Cisse like yeah yeah they're, they're just a likeable club yeah I reckon I, I would argue they're the biggest club supporter wise outside of the big six and historically bigger than teams like Manchester City yeah can't you see St. James's Park back in the uh European Knights. Yeah, and like St James's Park is a, is a is a stadium that hasn't been built recently and hasn't been being redeveloped for a long time and still is like fifty two thousand capacity. Yeah, it's bigger than Anfield and Stamford Bridge were for years. Yeah. Nah, they're yeah they're just a big club. So, I guess we can talk. We'll, we'll, it's something for us to talk about in the off season in a few months from now. But uh, do you think like so? Just just for fun, give me like one or two signings that they could make in the summer transfer window. That, that you that would in your mind push them into the top half of the table players or positions both I guess <laughs> yeah, just well, like, one's oh, like a subset oh of yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sort of like yeah like two yeah two players two, 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 players. two players and like just it could be anyone hypothetically they've got the money it could be anyone Harry Kane <laughs> yeah because right. well, I reckon the, the first one I thought of was striker um, and Rudiger or can I have three <laughs> yeah go <on>. and Kante <laughs> just because just because you spoke about exactly that before but yeah that oh maybe they don't need a central midfielder as much no I'll stick with my first two yeah okay how about you um, I think they Rafinha true say so Maximan and Rafinha on either wing would just be ridiculous yeah it would be a joke um, and uh, Calvin Phillips True. I think they're, they're like their back four is good enough to compete with the you know the wolves and the those guys around the the, the tenth mark. But if they get and like Chris Wood is, I reckon if they get Callum Wilson back next season to compete with Chris Wood, they get the you know like they could get a better striker. Yeah. But I reckon you get Rafinha in there and Calvin Phillips to go next to Bruno and you know someone ahead of them like a Joe Willock or a, someone. Um, and Almiron maybe then that is a, a t- maybe not a pushing Europa team yet but it's a it's a, it's a 10th or a 9th team for sure yeah they'd be, be, be astute signings Rafinha for sure Calvin Phillips and, and yeah maybe I mean Harry Kane would obviously be amazing but oh, yeah. I, I don't think it's necessarily necessary <laughs> for young for, to, to, to go for such an established striker I think they can I mean they've been linked with um Younger blokes. The Darwin guy from yeah. Benfica and Hugo Akitike yeah. from, from Lille. Or yeah, and those. Those, those are younger blokes. Hey? Yeah, the yeah. younger strikers. And I feel like they, they have the scope to do that. They can they can try and develop and I think a Eddie player Howell, or two. Eddie Howe will also want, like he's got Chris Wood, which is the target man, but he'll also want the variation because he's a smart guy. I reckon he's got loads of different things he wants to try. Yeah. So he'll want the fast striker, the get in behind striker, and then also for different situations in a game, like you know, kind of like how Chelsea had Giroud and whoever else they had <laughs> starting up front for them. Um, who else did that? I don't remember, but they had someone else who was like quick who could get in behind. Even yeah. like Arsenal had, uh, you know, Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Giroud for like a couple seasons. Yeah. Um, or like Sanchez and Giroud, you know, change it around. Just some yeah, some different options so you can do different things. So yeah, you can have Chris Wood and you could have. Uh, Akitake or Jonathan David or any of those guys yeah um, so yeah I, yeah, all four of the things we picked are, I think could 
easily boost them there. And they could easily go for all four. <laughs> they could easily go for all four. Like, what's stopping them? Ostensibly, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Eddie Howe, superstar. Yeah. And I think looking back on what he did at Bournemouth now, keeping them up with the funds that he had, playing a nice brand of football, um, yeah, it's impressive. It was underappreciated at the time, and people are now starting to realise what he did with yeah. such... like, And also just like uh, keeping a team with the maximum capacity at their ground of 11,000. Yeah. That relevant for that long is ridiculous. Yeah. Because like I know Incredible. supporter base doesn't decide how good a team is, but supporter base often does decide how much revenue and financial fair play a team can have to spend on players. And it was case in point they didn't buy anyone uh, for over $10 million at least. Yeah. All right. So to finally uh, wrap up, we've got our UEFA Champions League round of 16 second leg picks. Uh, it feels like an age ago that we made these. I guess it, I guess it was, to be it fair. It was a good long time uh, It was ago. at the start of March. Um, so uh, if... I'll, I'll tally. Yeah. So, uh, going back to uh, the results from the first leg, I think I'm up 5-4, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me just quickly check that on my notes app. I am up 5-4. Okay. Hey. So, I'll I'll rattle off the predictions, and then you say the result. The result. Yeah. And then I'll, and I'll, I'll write it down. Yeah. Um, all right <laughs> let's do this <laughs> okay also one point for the result an extra point for the correct, correct score yeah okay <laughs> i think i already know what it's gonna be okay so i said 2-1 Bayern, and you said 3-1 Bayern. yeah and they absolutely <laughs> smacked Salzburg. yeah one each um yeah that was a crazy crazy response yeah just struggling yeah yeah unreal just after we ranked the strikers, you went and did that. Like the next day, you went. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he heard us. Uh, one nil Liverpool, I said, and then you said two nil Liverpool. And boy, were we wrong. And both got it wrong. Uh, Latoura Martinez, goal. Um, Can I just quickly stop us there? There's been a lot of talk I, I, about how like people were applauding Inter and being like, "Oh, such a good job," you know, to you know really put it to Liverpool. I'm sorry, but as the Italian champions. And like you know, a team that's supposed to be an internet, like a European heavyweight, they did not impress me that much over two legs at all. They got one lucky strike. Yeah. Th- uh, apart from that, uh, they went in, and then apart from that, barely threatened the goal. Didn't have a shot on target in the entire first leg. Yes, you can say they defended decently well, but did they even really like? They Liverpool hit the post three times and had a, and had a shot clear off the line in the second leg, and they scored two goals in the first leg. Like, I'm like they defended okay. But, like, Burnley scored, has conceded less goals against Liverpool. Yeah. You know? Like, I just, like, this narrative that Inter is like, oh, what an amazing job. Oh, Inzaghi's doing a masterclass there as a coach. I don't see it, personally. Yeah. I mean, t- to be honest, I, d- I didn't see much of the of the two fixtures. But in, in the context of the whole um, tie, 1-0 at Liverpool is not, it's not a good result. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 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 not a good result at all. Yeah, and it's you know it's it's managed essentially by Liverpool. Yeah, like and like Liverpool, like Latara Martinez scored that goal because all I've seen is the highlights of that game. But like Latara Martinez scores that goal, it's one of maybe two highlights they have the whole game, and then you've got Liverpool just bombarding their goal for the rest of the game. It's like they didn't look threatened yeah. at all. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sporting uh, Man City four nil City uh, was my prediction, and three one City was yours, and they drew. So none. No points. No points. God, we're not off to a flyer here. 
And okay. I think it's about to get worse. <laughs> the next one was um, super interesting game. So I, I predicted one all between PSG and Real Madrid, and you picked PSG two one. And Karim what a fucking yeah. Benzema after we slated again, him. yeah. <laughs> after we slated him in our striker picks, goes god mode and wins the game. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Against a very disappointing PSG. PSG bottled it. Yeah. Yeah. So again, zero points. You you do love to see it. I mean, even though it's Real Madrid. I don't like Real Madrid, but you do love to see a team I do love that's to see like it. essentially assembled a super team go down like that. You know? uh, and that's, you know, PSG's bargaining chip in the Mbappe sort of negotiations, I reckon, yeah, as well. Nah, he's gone now, for yeah. sure. Benfica, Ajax, again, <laughs> will be t- said 2-0 Ajax, and you said 3-2 Ajax. And they lost one. <laughs> we are having a horror show. Yeah. 1.8 from five games it's pretty bad yeah <laughs> okay Atletico Man United I said 2-1 Atletico and you said United on pens so that's one, one point, point for me be. <laughs> god I had way too much faith in United there. to be fair they all they, like they were close to getting one goal in that in that second leg so it could have been interesting but yeah I yeah. was I was watching the score updates on my phone thinking could have one here all right, so it's six all coming into Chelsea. Lil, I said one nil Chelsea. You said two one Chelsea, which is spot on. So the double, <laughs> the double point for Woody. Woody back on top, taking it to eight seven overall. Uh, Villarreal Juventus. I said two all Villarreal on pens, and you said two one to Villarreal. So another point each. There we go. Oh, that's it. Ah, okay. That's it. And Woody takes it. Uh, Nine eight. Hey, you know what can I say? <laughs> he knows not, ball. Not a good showing for us, though. We'll, we'll hope to do better in the semi-finals. I think I said it the quarterfinals. We were, when, when we were making these picks, the fact that one we hadn't watched much um, Champions League because of the switch to Stan Sport. Um, not that I have anything against dance sport in particular, but I just yeah. don't want to pay for another streaming yeah, service. Yeah, no, and I feel like now I've got a bit more of an idea of things that are going on. So that's the excuse. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we've watched we've watched plenty of highlights of these games and we've got a general idea about how teams are playing. Um, yeah. So hopefully we'll make a bit more better predictions in the quarterfinals. Obviously the draw hasn't happened yet, but um, if what are some ties you would like to see? Because obviously City people, Liverpool, yeah. <laughs> obviously, so obviously, people are obviously probably counting out Villarreal and Benfica. And while yeah, I don't think I don't see Benfica make it any any further. I don't think Villarreal can be counted out too much. Like I know Juventus weren't great, but they were very good over two legs. Yeah. So I think Villarreal could be a team that ships a team that trips up any of those big teams. Yeah, I mean, Benfica did very well to manage Ajax, but I think they'll struggle against bigger teams. But yeah, I think just Villarreal have that that home game advantage which is pretty and Uno um, Emery is a, like I know he didn't fare so well at Arsenal but he's a very good coach he's, yeah. he's, he's a re, he's really well drilled team they defend well they counter fast he's like a you know lesser version of Mourinho he's very good at that, that game management stuff and lends itself well to cup um, competitions for sure I personally would love to see um, uh, where is it um, I can't scroll I'd love to see uh, Real Madrid play one of the English teams. True. Yeah, I don't know. And get slapped. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But, um, uh, but I don't know. I just, uh, I, but I, I'd like to see Bayern 
play one of the English teams, and I'd like to see Real Madrid play one of the English teams. Probably because they just want an all-English final. But Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really care who Benfica plays. I don't really care who Atletico Madrid plays. I reckon Villarreal versus um, Chelsea would be an interesting game. Yeah, that would be good, especially sliding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, the the English teams versus the the powerhouses in Madrid and Bayern would be is what I want to see. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be be good good. to see what happens. So yeah, uh, that concludes episode forty-two. Thank God we're back. Yeah, it's good it's to good be to, back. It's so much better being back. We person. started this Holy episode shit. when it was light outside, and now it's now it's dark. We were switched on the light, yeah. <laughs> and we're rolling up to fifty-seven minutes total as we come to a, the finish of this episode. And it's been fun. It was a bit of a marathon, but it was good. It was it's been good. fun. <laughs> uh, it's getting a bit a hot good in marathon. here, despite the fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, as always, um, if you like what you hear, follow us on Spotify, the forty-yard switch, obviously. And follow us on Instagram at 40yardswitch.pod. Um, I think our podcasts are out on Google Podcasts too, but <laughs> I don't know. No one who listens to us listens to on Google Podcasts. So, uh, and yeah, we'll see you next week and for the weeks that follow, back in person, in the booth. Uh, look forward to that. <laughs> Bye-bye.